Attention! The following podcast may contain topics not suitable for a younger audience. Also, anything discussed on this program is subject to being spoiled, so if you don't want to be spoiled, we'll try our best, but no promises. For more information on Borderline podcast episodes or Borderline panels events, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash borderline panels. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Borderline Podcast from Borderline Panels. I'm Austin. I'm Tori. And it's just us today because we're doing like a really quick miniature podcast. Um, conversation's not going to be too long today, but uh, Tori and I just got back from the very first event of Crunchyroll's Anime Movie Night where they showed a double feature of the recap films of Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. And um, that was a really unique experience. Um, It was a double feature that had an intermission in between. And um, the two uh, Crunchyroll, the faces of Crunchyroll did like a little bit of a, like an introduction video before the movie started. It's, um, what, uh, uh, what's her name? Raina Scully. Yeah, Raina Scully and Victoria Holden. Uh, did this like neat little introduction thing, and they're the, like the main PR people for Crunchyroll, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Raina's hilarious. I follow her on social media, and she's very funny. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, what what kind of content does she make? Um, she makes uh, like a wide variety of stuff. Like, she does um, anime reviews. She does like Japanese lessons. Oh. Um, she does vlogs. She's kind of like a. Mm-hmm person of all trade <laughs> yeah yeah um i guess i mean maybe she did all that before she got her job at crunchyroll i really don't know okay i don't yeah. know either but anyway it doesn't matter um that was a cool little thing that crunchyroll did rather mm. than just like just flat out showing the movie which i mean that would have been fine too but it was a nice little detail that they did um so we watched the film um uh, disclaimer before we start our conversation review analysis of the Cabinary films um, I have watched maybe three or four episodes of Cabinary, um before I saw this recap movie. Tori, you haven't seen... I haven't seen any of it. <laughs> yeah, none of it. Um, but we both have seen most of Tetsuro Araki's material, um, just not this one because... Well, mainly because I didn't watch it because, like, Amazon Prime streaming is kind of a butt, and I didn't really want to deal with it. And um, I would have much rather preferred it been on my like preferred streaming sites like Crunchyroll and Funimation, but but hey, you know that's that's kind of on me for not watching it through that way. But anyway, um, so real quick, do you want to go into what Cabinary of the Iron Fortress is about? So Cabinary of the Iron Fortress is literally a remake of Snakes on a Plane, but with zombies and a train. Okay. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> is Sam Jackson there? He is not, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I'm tired of these monkey fighting snakes <laughs> on this Monday to Friday uh, train. Enough. <laughs> anyway, so Commandary of the Iron Fortress takes place um, in rural Japan. 
Yeah, and some of. sort of like weird historical Japan. Yeah, and it's like one of those shows where the weaponry and stuff, the technology is advanced for the time period, but that's that's like completely off track. It's like steampunk, but not in Victorian England, but in like Japan. Yeah, so uh, we have these people who basically live on this train, um, and there are zombies involved. <laughs> And the zombies are called Cabinary. Cabinary. I'm really bad at summaries. Why didn't you let me do this? Because I believe in you. <laughs> so basically, these people fight the zombies while on the train and sometimes while off the train when they stop at stations mm-hmm. um, to either gather supplies or repair the train. And and they've got, like, all the human beings that live in this world have, like, little walled-in cities, just like yeah. Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. But instead of, it seems to me, like, instead of, like, one place where the human beings live, it's, like, just a bunch of little walled cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main character, they actually refer to him as something, but I forget what his job was. They said it earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. but he becomes the hero, essentially. He's, like, a mechanic or He's something? a mechanic yeah. or a repairman or something. I don't know. It's but, um, Ikoma is his name. Mm-hmm. So he becomes our main hero, and we get other characters introduced that become integral to the story. And, yeah, zombies, trains, cool weapons. Yeah, basically. Um, like, any conversation about Cabinary of the Iron Fortress that happens mostly, I think, is about its comparisons to Attack on Titan. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that is totally not an unfounded comparison to make. No. Um, I know, it's my understanding that Cabinary is the first thing that um, Tetsuro Araki has worked on that has been his own original idea. And it struck me very much as, like, a synergy between other shows that he'd worked on. Like, it's kind of campy in, mm-hmm. like, a very High School of the Dead kind yeah. of way. Like, did you did you feel that? Yeah, um, the violence and the, the, like, gore and the fighting was really over the top, kind of like it was in High School of the Dead. Like, in a way that it was almost, like, I don't want to say comical, because that's not how I, exactly I would describe it, but it was, like goofy it was goofy Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) or like just kind of sit like jokey ridiculous yeah yeah yeah. like very ridiculous and like some of the bits where the cabinary were like playing (laughs) with the people that they were fighting against yeah that one scene where they just like dive down from somewhere and they're just like ah (laughs) it kind of reminded me of all those goofy scenes in attack on titan but like but like the way titan does it is like it's like that's supposed to be scary because mm-hmm. it's like very inhuman, but the yeah. way Cabinary does it, it's supposed to be like jokey. Mm-hmm. Only twice though did I find them them scary. Mm-hmm. Like um, there was the one scene where the um, the I don't know what to call him the almost samurai esque one gets on mm-hmm. the train. Oh, and like, he's the, like the dual wielding. Yeah, yeah, and he's Cabinary. like really sentient, and they had a name for those two, but I forget what. Uh, we may call them. Let's just call them, um, <laughs> what do they call them in Attack on Titan? Like, aberrant, aberrant Titans? Yeah, or, yeah. Aberrant Cabinary, there yeah. we go. So, he was, like, really, um, sentient and was, like, aware of what he was doing and, mm-hmm. like, the concept of, like, the undead being aware of what they're doing mm-hmm. was kind of scary. Um, and then the scene where, um, what's his name? Um, pink hair, 
man. Biba? Biba. Yeah. I was, like, thinking BB for some reason. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Bebe. Bebe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was in that room, and you heard all of them in the background, like, groaning and, oh, like, yeah, making yeah. those really disgusting noises. In the train, and was, yeah. yeah, and I was like, that's really really creepy mm-hmm. um yeah um you've you've consumed a lot more like horror type yeah. media than i have do you it was was there any any like bit in those movies that reminded you of another horror movie that you'd seen or horror anime other than like the obvious like attack on titan high school today right. mm-hmm. not like not really i mean i would i would say those two is what stuck out to me the most like Mm -hmm. i I can't really think of anything off the top of my head unfortunately Mm -hmm. that was just like oh this reminds me of like that but um i i haven't actually seen this movie but i've seen the trailers a bunch Mm -hmm. like world war z did you ever see that movie never seen the book or movie but i have read the book oh okay well like whenever they were outside the wall and they Mm -hmm. were just like this giant mass and like whenever they became those weird like big creatures that were all like the mass that was really creepy too that was creepy but it kind of reminded me of like the the world war z trailer where they were all like climbing up the wall and this big like giant zombie tornado Mm -hmm. um i do have to say though like Zombies are completely overdone, but like they hold a special place in my heart because that was the first genre of horror movie I ever saw as a child. Mm-hmm. But like it was still fun to watch. It was like, okay, like this has been done to death, mm-hmm. <laughs> like in a million different formats of like shows and movies and books and comics and whatever. But mm-hmm. like it was still really fun. Like I had a good time like watching it. So. Yeah, and and like there's there they definitely exist, but there mm-hmm. there's not a huge amount of like zombie anime. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like there's School Live, and there's High School of the Dead, mm-hmm. and there's like uh, Korean Zombie Desert Cart, but that's not really like a. You know what I'm talking about? Oh right? yeah, yeah. It took yeah. me a second to. I wouldn't call that a. There's like a. Well, I, yeah. never mind. Sankarea. Sankarea, yeah. Thing. But like those are not really. Zombie mm-hmm. shows in the way that like yeah. Night of the Living Dead is yeah. a zombie movie right. or whatever. Um, I like the fact too that they were fast. Mm-hmm. They were very fast, and very rarely do zombie movies or whatever do that. Mm-hmm. Um, only thing that really comes to mind quickly is like the Twenty Eight Days Later. Movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like there, there was that one scene too when they killed the one combinary or yeah not commonary but um they killed the one and then the other ones were just like all of a sudden freaking out because they were oh aware. yeah like yeah Mumei jumped down and killed one and then they were all just like hey you killed my friend but you know without actually <laughs> saying <my> anything <laughs> um i don't know i i thought the movies were really inconsistent like were, mm-hmm. were we supposed to think that the cabinary were sentient or we were are we supposed to think that they were like these this horde like it's like it's like they couldn't decide which one they yeah, wanted to go with. That's very true. So they just kind of did both, and, and then it just was kind of confusing. Because mm-hmm. um, they're they're sending kind of mixed signals, like some of them were sentient, and then right. others were just like so mobbish that they literally formed giant cabinary creatures right. out of these like just masses of like nameless, faceless horde. Um, so, and. One one thing that I was trying to think of during the entire runs of the film is, like, are they going to provide us with much lore to speak of? 
Um, I think that's one of the things that was really interesting and um, sort of enticing about Attack on Titan mm-hmm. is that they were slowly unveiling this like larger lore and it context. It took forever, but we got it eventually. Yeah, and there was like this mystery there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Cabinary, it was kind of like they were trying to just do like this particular story without giving too much of us well like giving without giving the audience too much to wonder about yeah they kind of did the thing where it was just like oh these creatures just showed up one day we're not gonna explain anything about them ever except we can inject their blood i guess Mm -hmm. with humans and make like hybrid zombie monsters (laughs) right which was basically like the 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 titan yeah. turners or the tight what i can't remember what they're called yeah dude i felt like i was like literally watching attack on titan at, like the entire time but, mm-hmm. but i mean like i don't mean that in a bad way but it was literally like they just took a few elements and changed them mm-hmm. and then like called it something else right um whenever i was watching it i was trying to think like what iraqi's like thought process was coming up with this and it seems to me like like, this is how I imagined it going down, that Araki probably wrote Cabinary while working on Attack on Titan yeah. and would just have thoughts about, like, this would be cool if it were in Attack on Titan, but it's not. And which so, story am I going to put this exactly. in? Exactly. <laughs> so he's just like, I'll, I'll save that for a rainy day. Yeah. And then, like, takes all of those thoughts after working on Titan and, like, probably other shows as well. And mm-hmm. it's just like, this show is going to be all of the ideas that I could not do in other things. Yeah. Because everything else he's ever done has been an adaptation, I think. was mm-hmm. High School of the Dead was an adaptation, wasn't it? I do not remember which came first. Okay, well, I'm I, I'm pretty sure it was a manga first. Mm-hmm. No, it totally was. Was it? Yeah, it was a manga. Okay. Because I remember hearing about uh, the the mangaka passed away a couple months ago. Oh yeah, you yeah, that? that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I never read the manga. I've only seen yeah. the show. So. Um, so you saw um, Owari no Seraph. Yeah. Um, did you see anything that was similar tonally or conceptually between Cabinary and Awari no Seraph? Mm, well, I don't want to give away too much about Awari no Seraph. That's it, fine. You, know, you haven't it. seen it, but um, a lot of the aesthetics... Um, Awari no Seraph's a very aesthetically pleasing show, mm-hmm. and that carried over in Cabinary, I think, too. Like, those backgrounds and, like, just the... The character designs were really good. The backgrounds were gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There were certain scenes where things would get... Um, very very hyper detailed yeah um like when they would zoom up on a character's face mm-hmm. um and i thought it was beautiful mm-hmm. but they also did that weird thing kind of a tangent where like um the she wasn't really a princess but the yeah ayame um, she was a princess yeah was yeah. she okay yeah. um when she was taking off the master key it went like in like weird cg mm-hmm. like it wasn't exactly CG, but it was animated differently than mm-hmm. everything else, and I thought that was a neat little detail. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure why they did it, but it looked cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, I had a hard time, whenever I was watching this, thinking if the movie wanted the audience to take it seriously or not. Like, especially in the first film, like, mm. once the second film kind of got going and the, the narrative really kicked in... Like, I couldn't tell, because they they were not making it as emotionally, like, charged as Attack on Titan Mm -hmm, was. mm -hmm. Like, Attack on Titan starts off, and you see, like, these sort of, the unwashed masses sort of, uh, like, reacting to the horror of their, you know, 
certain demise. Yeah. And you don't see that personal element really play out in, n- no, in this one. No, I remember from the get-go with Attack on Titan, I was very, very emotionally invested. It just didn't grab me mm-hmm. in the same way that Attack on Titan did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more from a perspective of uh, just a simple like action story rather mm-hmm. than something that's supposed to be emotionally charged. Like, I don't... And and that and really what you see in the beginning of a show or a movie sort of sets up the emotional tone for how the audience is supposed to respond later on. Yeah. And I could not tell how it wanted me to respond. Mm-mm. Like Attack on Titan starts off and it's like very emotional because yeah. you go through sort of the motions of the horror that the characters experience and you see like Aaron losing his mom and all like, these people right dying. Yeah, yeah, you see that and you experience it along with the character. Um but in Cabaneri, it's like the main character who we're supposed to sort of identify with is sort of experiencing all of these things, like, in a sort of a-emotional way because mm-hmm. he's he's part of it, he's there, and we see sort of the horror of, you know, what happens whenever the Cabaneri, like, break into the town for the first time. But it's all very, like, divorced from the characters we're supposed to focus on. Mm-hmm. Like... Our, our main character, I can't ever say his name, Ikoma, Ikoma. like, he's just, he's not invested really in no. this, in the people he's around him like, who are dying. Eh, whatever. Yeah, he's Until more... Until you get to the, not to interrupt you, but until fine. you get to the, like, flashbacks of his sister being eaten, and yeah. then all of a sudden he's just like, oh, everything sucks, I'm sad. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I think, I think maybe if they had started out the movie, like, well, <laughs> honestly, if they had done this, the the um, the comparisons to Attack on Titan would have been even more exactly. egregious. So it's probably a good idea not to start it that way. But like, let's imagine if they started out the movie with, you know, them as children, and and then he gets to see his sister getting eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, that might have set up more of an emotional context. But then again, it would have been way too similar to Attack on Titan. Yeah, and. Um, it's probably a good idea they didn't do that. The only time I felt sad during the entire movie was when his friend gets shot. Yeah. I was just like, that's sad, because we spent the entire movie, like, seeing how great this kid was, mm. and then, like, in a selfless act of, like, friendship, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like, hold on, I'll stop a bullet. I know, and I thought that was so pure. Like, I, I love that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm a person that doesn't mind character deaths, even characters that I really like, and, like, I'm not to say that I really liked this character. I mean, I thought he was pretty good, but, um, I mean, he was fine. He was pure, he was a good, like, best friend character, um, but his death was totally, like, purposeful, and I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just added to the senseless pile of deaths. I was, like, sweating in my seat, though, when, um, uh, was it Kurusu? Something? Yeah, Kurusu, the samurai. When he got stabbed, yeah. and I thought he was gonna die, yeah. I was just, like, sweating, because I, like, really started to like him, and mm-hmm. I was just like, I love his character, he's so good, mm-hmm. and then, like, you see him towards the end, like... Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Ayame, Ayame mm-hmm. and she's sharing the the onigiri, and he's mm-hmm. like blushing. Oh, yeah. It was so cute. I was loved him cute. so much. Yeah, and I liked what they did with him, how they mm-hmm. like took him out of the picture for a little bit and, and then, then brought, brought him back, back in. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Um, most of my problems that I really had with Cabaneri was mainly in the first film, because I don't know about you, but after about a third of it, I mm-hmm. thought the rest of it was 
really a drag. Yeah, I think that had to do with the fact that I really had to pee during the <laughs> during the last little bit of the movie. Well, I, I promise you, if you had gone to pee, you would not have missed very much. I was just like, I can't focus on anything. I gotta go. But um, no, it it felt like it dragged on mm-hmm. unnecessarily long. Like, and it felt like m- much wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, everything kind of picked up in the second half of the mm-hmm. movie. And you like, mean the second film? The second film. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's kind of understandable because it's just like they spent the first movie really like getting everything established mm-hmm. and then all of the like important like actiony like really important stuff mm-hmm. happened in the second movie so like I guess I kind of understand but at the same time it was just like <laughs> it turned the they turned like the second half of the first movie into basically this long drawn out fight. Yeah. That I mean, it wasn't even that visually interesting. Like no. the backdrop wasn't very interesting. The the enemy was like cool, but mm-hmm. it's like well, we could have. You, I mean, it's interesting and fun to look at, but it's it just ran on for a little bit too long. Yeah. But then again, if they didn't if they didn't cut off the first movie where they did sort of ending that arc and like ending it in the calm before the storm, Mm -hmm. they might have added in something from the second movie that would have made the pacing really strange. So I'm sure there was a reason. It was just very... It it, it made it much more boring, in my opinion. But um, still pretty good overall if you look at it as, like, one cohesive piece rather than uh, two films. I did think it was interesting how they kept the... They kept the characters very simplistic in the sense of, like, moral ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like there's very much, like, one set of characters who we're supposed to think are the good guys and one set of characters who we're supposed to think are the bad guys. Yeah. Like, with um, with Ikuma, he's very much, like, the hero character. He kind of does no wrong except, like, being down on himself a little bit. Like, he doesn't really make, like, tough like mistakes that he has to like survive from rather than just not being strong enough in any particular moment yeah um and then characters like biba are like the enemy characters and they're very much um like they are the bad guys and we're supposed to think that they're the bad guys and we don't we can't really identify with his point like right like, I just saw him as basically like, oh, he's just this jerk. Like, he yeah. doesn't really have much of a point that we can identify with. Like, what did what did you think about him? Um, a little side tangent. It was the Griffith situation all over again. Okay. I was like, he's beautiful. I love him. God, he's horrible. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> like, I thought he was going to be, like, an, a legitimate, like, good character. But then, like, when he killed the guy um, that was trying to kill him, like, at first I was kind of like, okay, well, the guy was trying to kill him, but at the same time he could have just spared him. Mm-hmm. Um, it started to go downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, his whole reason for being bad, daddy I guess. Issues. Was, was daddy issues. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like... Dude, you're you're taking it way too far. Like Dude, this isn't yeah. even really that understandable. Like no. I understand you having a vendetta against your dad because mm-hmm. he like sliced your back open when you were a child, and that can ma- that can cause some major damage. Right, but it was such an overreaction. Yeah, like... he's just like I have to destroy anyone who's weak, and that it seemed a little like like comic book villainish mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, rather than you know someone. I, I don't know where I was going with that thought, but anyway, we'll, we'll just move on. 
You know what did upset me, though? Mm -hmm. It's towards the end where the other group of men that were with him were just kind of like, all of a sudden, hey, take us with you on the train. Yeah, that was that was kind of strange. Like I didn't I didn't have any connection one way or the other with any of the group of his Mm-mm. of his crew. No. And I think that might just be a problem on the fact that this was a, a like these were composition movies and they cut out a lot. Yeah. So let us know, audience, if those characters get more development in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with the other like denizens of the train, mm-hmm. like the one girl who's like sort of gushing over Mume. And, uh, like, looking after the kids. With and then the ponytail. With the ponytail. I liked her. She was cute. Yeah, I mean, she was cute, but she... I mean, we don't really know that much about her. Yeah. And, like, the... Um, the mechanic girl who's like working, who's like piloting the train, who's got them back muscles. Okay, that's what I was about to say. When she took her like jumpsuit down <laughs> mm-hmm. and she started stretching, I was mm-hmm. just like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it's like she, we don't really know much about her I know. either. Uh, so there's a lot of like side, side characters mm-hmm. that don't really get a lot of attention. And maybe that's better in the series. Um, hopefully so, because otherwise it would kind of be a waste. Yeah, I kind of want to watch the anime now just to see if, like, any of the gripes that we've mm-hmm. expressed are answered. And... Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll probably watch it one of these days, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that we were able to see it just Me too. to experience it. Yeah, I mean, despite the issues with it, mm-hmm. I still had fun seeing yeah. it, like, in theaters. I think that's a movie that calls for being seen in a movie theater. It's definitely a super, like, Hollywood anime. Like, mm-hmm. it's very, like, bombastic and over-the-top and action-filled and, yeah. like, um, big, like, sweeping scores. And it, mm-hmm. it's a perfect film for, for theaters, and I, I feel a similar way about Attack on Titan. That soundtrack, though, mm-hmm. I liked it, mm-hmm. but I was also bored by it at the same time because it followed yes. it followed the stereotypical mm-hmm. shonen like action anime soundtrack mm-hmm. which is one dubstep mm-hmm. two like a rock piece mm-hmm. three strong vocals over an orchestrated mm-hmm. rock piece <laughs> it struck me as the least creative Hiroyuki Sawano soundtrack that I've ever heard like Attack on Titan has some pieces in it that are just like awesome yeah there's that one um that's really really good that they mm-hmm. use a lot throughout the series and I don't know what it's called but it's very good. <laughs> right. And, like, Kill a Kill is a absolutely outstanding soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, I mean, I feel like I keep ragging on this show really hard, but I feel like the um, the soundtrack for this movie was, like, all of Sawano's leftover tracks that he made while working on Attack on Titan. <laughs> that that kind of feels like what this entire anime is it's like all the leftover ideas that Araki had stuffed in a notebook it's it's alternate universe attack on titan i mean basically pretty much dude the the guns and stuff they even used had air bullets which Mm -hmm. like they used the air gear to maneuver around it's the same thing i I know (laughs) and they're titans but smaller Smaller. and people can also turn into them basically and then the train destroyed the wall instead of the colossal titan yes and there's cities (laughs) in the walls it's it's just it's so similar but, um, I mean, obviously, I, 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 my criticism does not end with it being super similar to Attack on Titan. Like, that's one of the things that I really didn't care about too much. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care how similar it is to, to Attack on Titan. I mean, all of those things are fun to point out. But at the end of the day, like, is it entertaining or not? And that's kind of all that matters, really. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I definitely want to talk about is Mume. Because I think <gasps> she, yes. out of all the characters in the film... 
she has the strongest arc. Yes. And she was also the character I was most scared about and most, like, optimistic about at the same time Uh because, like, in the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, she was nominated for so many things, and I was thinking, like, either she's, like, going to be the stereotypical, quote, top-tier waifu character, or she is actually really awesome. And I had no idea on which sort of um, line of that um, dynamic she was going to fall onto. Mm -hmm. And I was not disappointed. Me either. I wasn't blown away, but I thought she was fine. I liked her a lot. I thought she was really, like... She's really cool. Mm-hmm. She's very badass. Yes. Um, but I didn't want her only to be that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Because, you know, in as cool as she is, like, I wanted her to have those character moments, and mm-hmm. in the second film, she definitely did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it was, um, like, I, I felt bad for her, like, going through, like, what she did, and um, it made me really feel for her, and I didn't feel for characters very much in this movie. Yes, because a lot of them are sort of... There, <laughs> they they weren't really written in a way that the audience could really feel for them that mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, Ikoma's sort of arc with his like sister was very like tragic. Yeah, but, but it's been done before. It's been done before, and he's very much like the hero stereotype. Yeah. And um, Mume started out as kind of the 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 heroine stereotype but yeah. then she got the most um the the strongest character arc out of all, all of absolutely. them absolutely um and basically what i was thinking of in this in the film was like you know think of mume in the way that the show eventually thought of her as as mm-hmm. a child yeah and then that makes her sort of sort of goofy naivety much more understandable. Mm-hmm. I mean, but she is a child. Exactly. She is a child. And um, she points that out even to herself yeah. um, after she starts sort of having these slow realizations that she's being manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, sort of like the whole film, or whole both of the films, especially the second one, are about her like learning to have, learning to unlearn the bad things that Biba had taught her mm-hmm. and sort of learning to embrace like compassion for yeah. other people and putting other people like before yourself and that uh, even weak people do matter because they are people at the end of the day and right. you see her like forming relationships with other people who are not strong in the first film and the second film and then she mm-hmm. sort of learns the value in that. It made me so happy when she just looked at him and was like, I want to be with the people on the train. I was like, yeah. I know. That was so pure. And it's just like, you know, it's it's more than her just wanting to be, like, the friends with friends with those people that she yeah. made connections with. It's like her. She realized she actually cared about them yeah. and for them. And I was just like, you go, girl. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> She's basically indicting Biba's entire worldview. Mm-hmm. Like, saying, no, you're wrong. It's yeah. like, these people are valuable because they love each other and they love me. So, yeah. screw you, dude. Um, tangent. But I really wish the fight between Biba and... Um, main character. Ikoma. Ikoma. Um, had been a little longer because mm-hmm. it felt like it just went by super quick. Definitely. And then he lost a hand and then he became like, no, 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 that was that was before. Mm-hmm. Sorry. He got his arm broken mm-hmm. and then... That was oh, on the train whenever um, um, Takumi was killed. He lost his arm there. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Beba broke his arm. He ripped they, it off. No, he didn't. His arm came off. The two, when the two were fighting before, um, in the little like place where the lake was. Oh well, that was later. Yeah, that's that was what at I was. The very end. That's what I was talking about. Oh, okay, never yeah. mind. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> so never he mind. broke his arm, and then all of a sudden, like he got shot. And then it was revealed he was a combinary, which I totally guessed, by the way. Yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden, um... Ikoma? Mm-mm. What? Who? What? Huh? Uh, why can't I ever remember names at anything I watched? I've got them. I've got all the names um, right here. Um, 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 Mume. Yes. It <laughs> <laughs> was this, like, oh, let me finish the job that you mm-hmm. started. And it was just kind of like a mess. Mm-hmm. And I wish it had gone on just a little bit longer because it felt like unrealistic that they just killed him off so fast. Yeah, so much happened in that second movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Bebo wasn't even in the first movie. Mm-hmm. We had really no concept of who the, quote, villain was yeah. other than the Cabinary. Um, so the second movie was so dense. Like, yeah. I don't know. Probably they made that fight quicker just so they could fit in all the all the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it got to me, though, when she stabbed him and she was just like, you should listen to me, too, sometimes, you know? And I was just mm-hmm. like, eh. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. She was good. I loved her so much. Mume? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you find it weird how... Probably. <laughs> <laughs> did you find it weird how there was that weird... There, There is... There are, like, these seeds of a budding romance between, um... Between Ikoma and Mume? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, because it didn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't really set up for that. Like, it made more sense between Ayame, Ayame, right? Mm -hmm. And, um... Kurusu. Kurusu, Mm because, like, that was established, like, way back Mm -hmm. in an interaction that they had together. But, like... Plus, they've been together for who knows how long. Right, right. And, like, it felt kind of forced. Like, Mm -hmm. I I noticed it. It wasn't, like, super there. Mm -hmm. But it's just weird because like there was really no setup for that Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden for like everything to turn out okay and then all of a sudden oh they're in love Mm -hmm. like it was just weird i don't know if it'd go that far but it's like he obviously like has very strong it it's hinted that he definitely has strong feelings for her in a way yeah but also at the same time he says earlier to um takumi about how she reminds him of his sister. Which is a little awkward. And I'm just like, can this anime stop being so anime right now? <laughs> like, can we just not do this? I really hope that they don't do that in season two. But then again, if they did, that would just be another thing that you could add onto the list of things that this anime makes itself similar to Attack on Titan with. Yeah. <laughs> just in the in the opposite. But, but like, Eren and Mikasa are different. Because, I know like, that, yeah. Oh, I could do a whole other episode about that, but mm-hmm. like... Aaron and Mikasa are different because it's just like Mikasa. Like I don't think her love for Aaron is romantic. I think it's more of like an unconditional "you saved me when I was a child" and "you've always been there for me" type mm-hmm. of love. But I don't necessarily see it as in like a "oh they're gonna like admit their love for each other mm-hmm. and like get married and like have a family" type love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. And and you know it probably that probably the same thing will happen with uh, Ikoma and Mume. I, mm-hmm. I don't see this turning into like a Inuyasha style like shonen love story. Inuyasha and Kagome are soulmates. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> totally not an indictment of Inuyasha. Like I think they're I think those two are very cute together. Yeah. But um I don't know. I don't know if I want this from this show. No, I don't think I do. But however I, just, I want everything to stop turning into a romance. Like yeah. men and women can have a relationship without it being romantic. Like false. 
Shut up. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're absolutely right. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing a unfolding relationship between Ayame and Kurusu. Yes, 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 yes. I want mm-hmm. that more than anything. Also, I want like six <laughs> spin-off OVAs of that. Yes. Um, they remind me, I know you haven't finished uh, Code Geass R2, but mm-hmm. they remind me a lot of the Chinese princess and her bodyguard. Mm. Like I was thinking about that basically the whole time. Uh, you, you'll you'll get okay, to that point. Okay. Um but um, in Please Code Geass, it's... people know that I haven't seen all of Code Geass. No, it's fine. They already know. <laughs> yeah, I it's, know. <laughs> it's fine. Um, except their their thing doesn't really turn into a romance so much. It's more like this sort of uh, just this unconditional, like, um, love in the sense of, like, protection and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but Ayame I want to talk about for a bit because I thought her character arc was also pretty good in yeah. the sense that she's she's very very meek mm-hmm. in the beginning and sort of hesitant and then yeah. she you know evolves into this very strong leader by Dude, the end of the film. When she walked up on that guy who had the gun in her face and was just like, "Let me tell you something." I was I like, know. "You're so cool." I know she was <laughs> she was great. Oh man, like watching her just unfold and evolve as a yeah. leader was great, especially after she like she lost her dad. You no, know, that was really sad actually too. Mm-hmm. Like that made me feel a little bit. I mean, it made me feel bad, but like not as bad as the stuff with Mume because it was just like their relationship wasn't like at that point. Um, Ayame wasn't as well developed, and it was just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, she lost her dad. That sucks. Well, mm-hmm. there they go, running over him. Oh, he's uh, wedged between the train gears yeah. now. Oops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I found okay. that really funny. Oh, my gosh. You're terrible. <laughs> I know. But, like, um... <laughs> I think seeing that first for the audience, you know, not I don't think we were supposed to, you know, expect to empathize mm-hmm. super hard with that character because right. we just met her. Right. But yeah. seeing her go through that and then seeing all the things she does later on, mm-hmm. you're just like, you go, girl. Yeah, You go exactly. out there and kick some butt. Um, I also thought the one kid that reminded me of young Dio Brando the entire time, um, the one that gets called scum by the pink-haired girl. Oh, the one that, like ditches everyone and says I side with whoever has power or something <laughs> yeah, like that. I really thought he was going to get it too when he went under the train mm-hmm. to unwedge more zombie meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that him? Yeah, that was him, I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah, I, that was another one of those characters that was just like, "Oh, you're here. You've got a few lines." Yeah. Um you, this movie's not really doing much to accent you, so I guess yeah. you don't really matter that much. Mm-mm. I guess we'll see in season two, or maybe he gets other scenes in the anime, and we just mm-hmm. don't know because we're ignorant fools. I was just about to say, I feel really ignorant because I'm, like, speaking to this, and I'm just like, oh, I've never seen the anime, so I don't know. That's fine. We are we are publicly admitting our ignorance, so yeah. our audience will be forgiving. Please, yeah. please forgive us. <laughs> but, um... One last little piece I want to talk about personally that I wrote down was the weird English-speaking guy with the George Washington haircut. Like, I am convinced that he is a figment of everyone's imagination because everyone ignores him. Like, I think maybe there's one interaction that he has with another character in which they respond to him, but he's never talked about. We don't know his name. He just shows up. I'm, he's he's a figment of their imagination or of the audience's imagination. He's I not real. Would not be surprised actually. <laughs> no, because it was really weird. You're right. Like I don't think anybody actually interacted with him. Like he was just there, screaming random phrases in English. Like, like but not even full phrases not even in English. Full, excuse me, screaming full words <laughs> yeah. in English. Like he said, uh, like 
finished and then signal so, signal and just like weird words and i'm just like where are you from like what what lore, what piece of lore am i missing to explain mm. your origin there sir like maybe he gets more in the series like we've said a hundred times now but i don't know dude like he was just it was weird i mean it was kind of funny like the audience giggled but i think yeah. it was just because of the awkward english words exactly. not because it was actually funny right and i didn't think it was funny either because there are other characters i've seen in anime that do the same thing so mm-hmm. it was just kind of like nah, whatever like i'm sure it it's weird. there for comic relief but mm-hmm. like it took know. me out of it a little bit a little yeah i'm just like oh here's this guy again mm-hmm. he's gonna do something silly now yeah. and then it's gonna move on and no one's gonna acknowledge it i guess yeah um, so basically, in a nutshell, Cabinary of the Iron Fortress is, at least from what we've seen, a big blender anime that combines a lot of different things together. Mm-hmm. Like, I noticed elements from Attack on Titan, obviously. It's got a sort of, like, Steam Boy aesthetic with, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to just compare it to its, like, steampunk-ness that are shared, but, like, the main character is, like, an inventor character, and he comes up with, like, gadgets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, the ending of the second movie reminded me a lot of, like, Evangelion 2.0. Yeah. Where, like, Shinji's trying to pull Rei out of the giant thing, Mm and, um, Ikoma's trying to pull Mumei out of the giant thing, and she's just, like, trying to pull herself out. And, um, like, High School of the Dead with the weird, like, fun, bloody action Mm -hmm. that's not that's not supposed to be super emotional like i i don't think that i think it was supposed to be fun action not like despair action yeah um some sort of weird in between between um attack on titan style and Mm -hmm. uh high school the dead style Mm -hmm. um fan service to speak of not really there's one butt, mm-hmm. one butt, one nude butt, mm-hmm. and yeah. that one shot where Mume goes in boobs first, and that is it. Basically, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a little leering sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. but other than that, not really fan servicey at all. Mm-mm. It's more than Attack on Titan, way less than High School of the Dead. Um, <laughs> way less. Way than less. High School of the Dead. Um, did you watch Guilty Crown? Yeah. Uh, did you see any similarities? Um, I have not seen Guilty Crown since it aired, mm-hmm. and I've repressed most of it because it was not that good. However, okay. the only redeeming factor of that show was Egoist, mm-hmm. and I will obsess about Egoist, so mm-hmm. cut me off now. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, I thought the Egoist songs in this movie oh, were, were really good. Um, not my favorite Egoist songs. Those are probably yeah. the Psychopath songs. Yeah, yeah, but everything, everything they do is really good. Yeah, for sure. Um, I... Enjoy the one from Guilty Crown the most, actually. Yeah. Um, like the opening? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the ones from Psychopaths are really good. Mm-hmm. And complete side tangent, but um, I, if I remember this correctly, Supercell um, used to do a lot of Vocaloid songs. I mm-hmm. think they did... Um, Blackrock Shooter. Blackrock Shooter. And there's that one other song. Um, The one where she has the microphone, uh, or the megaphone. Mm. God, what is that song called? I've, like, repressed my Vocaloid weeaboo days. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it's not important. Go ahead. It's okay. Whatever. Um, any final thoughts about Cabinary? When I started researching the, um, because I thought I heard a couple familiar voices, and I was right, um... Yuki Kaji voices Takumi, which is the kid that got shot. Okay. Um, Mamoru Miyano voices Biba. 
Um, but all other than that, those are the only two prolific like voice actors in mm-hmm. in the show. From what I saw, just a little bit of research mm-hmm. that I did, it seems everybody else is not necessarily a newcomer, but they have a very small um, portfolio of works. Okay. And it seems like a Ooh. couple of the voice actors um, all have worked on Boku no Hero Academia. Oh, sweet. Um, did I say that right? Just My Hero Academia is yeah, fine. Yeah, um, whatever. You can say the English title. <laughs> <laughs> my Hero Academia. <laughs> Sorry, it was what came out of my mouth first. That's okay. <laughs> um, but it looks like a lot of the voice actors, or Seiyu, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, have worked together on My Hero Academia, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I mean, it's a similar cast, it's just like a bunch of young people. Yeah, um, I thought that was a little interesting fact. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had a lot of fun watching it, mm-hmm. um, even if there were some moments where I was just kind of like, mm, um, it was fun. I'm glad I got to go to the movie theater and see it. Yeah. And I have to say again, when we get anime movies, go watch them in the theaters, because if you buy tickets for them, we get more anime movies in the theaters. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, like... And like I said before, that's definitely a movie that um, calls to be seen on a big screen. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, this is the only screening that we know of uh, for now, because the Crunchyroll anime movie nights are extremely limited. Yeah, they're like one-night things. They're extremely limited. So, um, sadly, uh, you guys might not be able to catch uh, Kabaneri this time around, but um, you can check it out on on Amazon Video. You can watch the series there. Um, Maybe it'll end up on Crunchyroll's actual legit streaming service um, after a while. Um, I think the Blu-ray is probably going to come out within mm-hmm. the next six months or so, which with probably an English dub, which I'm excited to see. Um, so, um, real quick though, I don't know how you felt about it, but I did not like Ikoma's character design, but that was just me. I don't know, man. <laughs> he cut his hair, then there was that one close-up on his face, and he looked kind of cool, but like his character design was weird. And I told you, mm-hmm. I leaned over and told you, hey, he looks like Blackjack, but not as cool. <laughs> yeah, he's got the weird like s- silver hair and like his glasses. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if his glasses were broken or if they're supposed to be that I way. I think they're supposed to be that like artistic thing where it's like they're a full frame, but they don't draw the full frame, so it doesn't like cover the I eye, man. I don't know, I don't but know. He only it's has anime. One, he only has one lens. He only has one lens. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm just like... Dude, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, if that's aesthetic, I don't know what kind of aesthetic <laughs> you're going for. Like, he might as just well goofy. just have had a monocle. Basically. <laughs> I mean, it is steampunk. That would have been totally permissible. Um, monocle of the Iron Fortress. Or he should have been like Hanji and just have like glasses goggles. Cause that would have been cool. That's the only like um, practical thing I can think of mm-hmm. in those situations. Because I could not imagine flying around and trying to fight titans and my glasses go flying off somewhere. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but apart from his design, I thought everybody was alright, except mm-hmm. Bebo looked a little bit too anime for my taste. <gasps> he looks so cool, his design was so good. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Mume had an awesome outfit, Ayame looked perfect. All of Mume's outfits were cute. Very true. Yeah. Um, glad she didn't turn into just, like, the token fan service girl. Me too. Yeah. Except that one time we saw her butt. Yeah, but even then, she wasn't, like, she wasn't, like vapid you know what i mean she wasn't like empty she started off that way and i was really scared i'm just (laughs) like oh no are they really gonna do this to this character are we we gonna have another one of those characters and then she wasn't because they gave her some good character moments in the second film yeah i mean 
it's not a perfect, you know, anime literary masterpiece, mm-hmm. but I think this would be a good show for uh, people who are, who are like newly getting into anime. Most definitely. Or something po- people want to watch just for like a visual treat. Somebody who just really likes Attack on Titan. Yeah, like if you're a big <laughs> Titan fan, definitely check this show out. Um, you'll probably find some enjoyment in it, at least aesthetically, if you don't think the narrative is quite as strong. Um, but who knows? Um, apparently we're going to get another season of Cabinary in the future, and maybe we'll do another episode on that whenever it comes out. Yeah. So do you have anything else to say, Tori? Uh, no, I think I got to say everything I wanted to say. Cool. So did I. Well, thank you guys for joining us on this little miniature episode. Um, we will have another full episode out for you later this week, and we will see you very, very soon. Make sure to follow us on Twitter if you want to see our anecdotal thoughts about anime, and um, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash borderlinepanels, and check out our new website on WordPress at borderlinepanels.wordpress.com. We will see you guys later. Have a wonderful evening or day or afternoon or whatever. Bye! Bye.